Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. This is a podcast for folks like yourself who might be interested in reinventing what education is. I'm Rob McLeod and joined as always by the white t-shirted Brendan O'Leary. How are you, Brendan? I'm fine, Rob. How are you? Your shirt says beautiful nature on it. It does indeed. And is that a husky pup in the front or a mink? I can't tell. It's a mink. Some mink. kind of mink. We have a guest today. Care to do intros? Yeah. So we're very happy to be joined today by Malcolm Giles. So he works in the American and English Studies Department at a university in Germany. Um, he teaches students that are training to become teachers. And so a big part of our discussion today is about teacher training. And Malcolm says he uses the uh, parts of his course to explore teachers' expectations and thoughts on teaching and tries to get his students to think about the differences in, in the different learning environments using a range of media. He is an integral master coach and has trained and graduated with the Integral Coaching Canada back in 2013. And prior to that, he worked in youth theatre in Leeds and London in the UK before moving to Germany. He set up the Young London Open Space Theatre Group in the 1990s, which brought together young people from different backgrounds and parts of London to devise and perform adaptations and original pieces relevant to their lives and interests. Now, inside his class, he uses some of the tools from his background in theatre, such as group games and improv techniques and the theoretical background for the professional and personal development of his students. And he sees that as a powerful learning approach in education. He particularly focused on something he called a fluency booster, in which he uses the aqual, that Rob maybe can give a little bit of a heads up on in a moment, to tie into the development of language skills. So it was a really interesting chat. Spoiler alert, we already did the chat and this is a this is a recorded intro. It's really cool. It's really good. And we hope you enjoy it. We really appreciated Malcolm reaching out to us. He had been listening to a few of our episodes and uh, wanted to have a chat. And after speaking with him, we thought he'd be a perfect guest on the show. He's taking components of integral theory. Brennan mentioned aqual being all quadrants, all levels, lines, states, stages, and types. Taking some of the components, which we also do here on the podcast and embed them in his pedagogy and what he's doing with regard to training the next generation of teachers, which is something we've not focused on yet here on the podcast about what does teacher training look like and how might it be influenced by the different approaches to school. So enjoy our chat with Malcolm. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm sort of two, two professions, I guess I'm, I'm trying to uh, manage. One is working currently in a German University and the English and Ang American Studies Department. And there I work, um, yeah, only with um, uh, trainee teachers. So they're going to become classroom teachers with English as one of their subjects. So, I mean, my role, as I said, is really just to um, help them develop the, the sort of skills and knowledge around what it, what it means to teach English in a classroom in different, uh, different levels, different ages and stuff like that. But what I, what I started to pick up quite, quite early on, I mean, and, and I've, I'm also trained as an integral coach. So I started that training about 10 years ago and, you know, uh, from a fascination with, with Wilbur and, um, and spiral dynamics, um, 
which which began actually once I moved to Germany. I just suddenly I think I think almost as I got off the plane, I just started picking up these 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 messages and these invitations to uh, come to this workshop. Can you do this for us? Would you like that? And suddenly, yeah, the, this whole Wilbur, Wilbury world uh, emerged. And around about 2010, I, I discovered this integral coaching approach. So uh, I thought, well, this is what I need, some structure, some means of taking this into the world in a meaningful way, you know? And Integral Coaching Canada were the ones that had, uh, had done that work to adapt uh, Wilbur's work for the, for the world of coaching. And um, yeah, that's a, a really fantastic method and one which I have applied on a, in one-to-one -one coaching over the years, but became more interested in, in uh, how to use it um, in more group situations. Um, and obviously when I, when I started working at the university, um, the first thing I, I kind of thought of, well, you know, this, this is really useful for them to have these perspectives and, and see things through these frameworks. So just, just finding ways that I could apply that into the, uh, the work that I do at university, because coming back to what I was sort of saying a little while ago was, was it, it became clear to me from, from conversing with these students that it didn't seem to be much depth to their training as, as, as teachers, you know, it's just some kind of format where they're left to learn about one type of approach, another type of approach and, and talk about the differences, but no, I don't know, not really get it, not, no interior, absolutely no interior, you know, which is perhaps what, what we would expect. So I've been, um, you know, I'm free basically to, you know, when we're talking about uh, developing their vocabulary skills, you can take that in any direction you want. So, uh, so I'm quite free to bring in the, uh, the integral lenses and find and ways. Could you give us an example mm -hmm. of like, sort of where you saw like a deficit or something missing in the students kind of conventional training and maybe something from the integral coaching or the, the uncle kind of framework that you brought into it. Yeah. I mean, one of the questions I give them, I think almost in the first, the first session that we have together is to, to get them to start talking about what is, um, what do we mean by an effective learning environment? And, for them to sit in groups and come up with um, a kind of list of what they think is um, are components of that. And so I think it, it could be pretty predictable. It was always pretty predictable what they would come up with. And sometimes there was a sense of, yeah, the, the relationship line was something that some of them would talk about um, or but but not not so much, you know, and and very rarely did anyone have any experience or any knowledge of the more progressive forms of education. They'd all pretty much, I think it's 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 because of the this particular university where I work, you know, it, it it's it it needs a high level of um, uh, a level to get in, and I think most of them they've been at. Um, the grammar school. What are they? What are they called again? The uh, gymnasium, which is a pretty, what would you just say, traditional, huh? 
Yeah, it's unfair to generalize completely, but I would say the typical German gymnasium is probably closer related to that kind of traditional teacher at the front. You're the dutiful yeah, note yeah. taker, absorb what's being taken in, demonstrate everything you know back and don't make any mistakes. I call it, yeah, I, I, t I talk to them, I t call it the post box method. Yeah, you know, you're a post box, teacher comes along, posts something in and then you know, you actually, you download that, post something back. And I think, so that's what I was, I was picking up really. It was really difficult to try to generate a sense of aliveness or a sense of we space or a sense in which they were even receptive to one another. You know, it was like, that's, that was their training. You know, they're sitting down, they're expecting to be given some, you know, open their mouth, post something in, go away and do it get a pat on the head or, or whatever, get feedback. Um, so, yeah, I, I, was, I was surprised, really, that there wasn't a little bit more, you know, it, it, when I'm bringing in these questions about learning environments, for example, you know, there wasn't a little bit more something coming from a more personal level, I suppose. So it seemed that whole line of, of their development, their training as teachers had not really been tapped into. Who were they as individuals? What were they bringing? Um, themselves you know what did they really deeply care about what values you know and and therefore they didn't really have any sense of what kind of schools would they going to be able to fit into you know other than just reproduce what they already knew perhaps go back and you know most of them wanted to work in the kind of school environment that they'd come from um so i i guess you know the the challenge as i saw it or what i felt was would would be um definitely interesting for me to do and hopefully interesting for them was just to you know stir things up a little bit and, and try to engage them in a, in a kind of wider appreciation of what of what we're dealing here with here you know with the, um, the the skill of teaching and uh facilitating effective learning environments yeah and and of course so so bringing in my my training in integral and all the different uh perspectives yeah that's uh, how that kind of happened and so that's basically where I am now you know I'm still an integral coach still very much involved in uh, integral coaching and um, conferences but I think I think the, it, the the scope is narrowing for me very much you know especially you know picking up on the, the work that you guys are doing and and seeing your I think it was seeing your presentation at IEC last uh, year, year Rob that I thought wow fantastic you know this is you know exactly what I what excites me, and um, I, I feel is something I really deeply care about. You know, education and um, the way you know that that things are so narrow at the moment it, compared to how much more expansive they could be. I guess so. I, I think that's what the focus is narrowing for me, bringing the integral tools more into the into how we can, yeah, bring that into into education, into the classroom, into teacher training. So. I'm sort of, you know, working on what my next uh, a kind of uh, iteration will be, you know, somewhere in that in that direction. I guess that's that's where I am at the moment. So, Malcolm, I, I was wondering how receptive your students were to these ideas. Um, you know, you said that you didn't see a lot of those in, internal kind of reflections or wanting to bring yourself, and and that seems very much in line. Those ideas are very much in line with some of the more progressive 
school ideas or even even the mainstream and if we're looking at teachers who are from a more traditional background and maybe going back into it a more traditional background yeah how how were they responsive to it and do you and did they see that looking at these three or four models of school was actually beneficial oh yeah yeah they um they responded um really well i mean it it, it, it's really difficult in a, a classroom where they I think one of the first things is trying to get them to, to understand that they can, they can share their personal views and they can listen and they can talk to one another. You know, it seemed to be something that was quite sort of lacking, I think. You know, it, it's still the, the attitude, teacher stands at the front, we sit and listen. So initially when I was bringing in these charts, it was all a little bit quiet and what are we supposed to do with this? Um, but giving them some, because, you know, and in their minds as well, I know what's going on. Hmm, how is this fitting into me getting my, my, the points that I need for this course? You know, what is he asking me to do that will help me get these points? So you're dealing with that kind of, you know, it's not necessarily them as individuals, isn't it? It's them as, as, as examples of the conditioning that they've been through that you're trying to kind of break down, I suppose. So I, I try and bring in other things, you know, get them to listen to little podcasts and uh, working groups to share this in the class, you know, so they're starting to open up those, those, those windows of opportunity to really listen and share with one another. And, and then to, yeah, always be bring, coming back into the, you know, thinking about learning environments. It, it's the first question that I asked them at the beginning of the course there's an essay that they write in the middle and then there's a presentation that they give at the end. So hopefully there's a bit of a learning curve where by the end, they're a lot more open and receptive, you know, to want to use these ideas. And then constantly they're asking me, you know, well, what's the next course that you're teaching? You know, can we come on the next course? You know, so, you know, by no means that's, you know, that's not, not everybody's cup of tea, but it, it's, it's, um, it, it's definitely a flavor by the end of the course that people want, want more. And, In education, um, we often love like the success story or a good anecdote. Have you had any of those that you could share with us of a student who had that learning curve and at the end of your course had a very changed perspective or a new insights on things that they didn't have walking in? Yeah, well, every, every semester I've been really, really fortunate. You know, there's somebody who will stop me in the corridor, you know, just by chance and say, I really loved your approach to teaching or, you know, it made me, it, I, I, uh, on my um, suggestion, they went and explored um, a, um, a Montessori school and just saw things from another perspective and decided that's where I want to teach. Or they gave, you know, they, they, they gave um, Waldorf school another chance, you know, after hearing all the, the stuff that they hear. And, Last, last year when I was in Britain, or earlier this year when I was in Britain, no, it must have been last year, the end of the summer last year, and uh, I was sitting in Dover Castle, actually, just having a few hours in Dover Castle before catching the boat back. And uh, I got an email from a, a guy who'd been in my, one of my courses um, that I think a semester before, and he just said, I really want to thank you for what, what you were encouraging us to think about. And... Um, 
because I, you know, using the four quadrants, I was, you know, talking about what, what shows up in upper left. And we were talking, a big theme in that particular course was talking about mental health, looking after um, our mental health, which was becoming something that was um, being, being talked about from different uh, sources at that time. And, um, you know, he, he said, you know, how much he valued this encouragement to do more self-reflection, to try out meditation and things like that. And he said for him, he said, I couldn't have known it as the teacher, but he had been going through a really difficult time. And, and he'd felt really seen, uh, really supported, really engaged, and had come away with a lot of resources. And, you know, so that, that was very touching, you know, for somebody to have taken the time to uh, put that all down in an email. And, um, and yeah, like I say, gen generally people want to know, well, where are you taking us next? What's the next course that you, that you're going to do? So yeah, is that, is that answer the question? <laughs> yeah. And you touched on the quadrants there. I'd be curious how, how do you use the quadrants? Because for those who've maybe listened to us, we've kind of taken the four quadrants and kind of split each in half when talking yeah. about a school. So you mentioned the upper left. So that would be the kind of interior of the individual. So we do talk about, how, you know, often one of the most overlooked parts of a school are the internal beliefs and the internal reactions of every individual, student, teacher, administration, parents, community, you know, those are all yeah. in that mix. And I guess I'll just walk through ours really quick, like lower left, the communities and the cultures. So who are the groups, overlapping yeah. groups of people and what are their norms? Lower right, we say this is the systems and environments. So how are things organized? What do the systems look like? What are the actual physical <clears throat> or digital environments that the school is occurring in or connected to? And then uh, upper right, like the activities and resources, you know, what are you doing in the classroom? What are you doing in a staff meeting? What are you doing in a parent conference? And what are the resources? What are the things you have on hand to do those? And we've found that really useful when looking at where is a school at and where does it want to go? How do you use it in your teaching when uh, applying those kind of four areas to new teachers getting into their career? Well, I mean, one of, one of the things, one of the sort of themes we, we've discussed is, um, you know, I, I always say to them, you know, when you're going for an interview at a school and you want to try to um, determine whether it's, it, it, it's the one for you, Questions like, you know, asking the school heads or whoever's interviewing, you know, what's your policy on bullying, for example? I think, it, you know, questions like that can, can tell us a lot huh, about um, how a school is working in a more integrated way, what is showing up in the quadrants, for example, how they deal with the child who's been bullied, how they deal with the community, what rules do they have in place, what systems to manage it and, and, and keep the whole school accountable. Um, so this is one example that I use, you know, to, to go through the four quadrants and look at what needs to show up, you know, to have a, a comprehensive and effective approach to, to the, you know, this, this awful um, uh, thing that, pe that some children can experience of, of bullying. So, that, that kind of opens the window for me in a tangible way that everybody can, can relate to. Everybody knows, you know, 
people, you know, everybody has an experience of either being bullied or uh, knows somebody who was bullied. It, it's something there. So it, it's really, I think it's one of the, such a crucial point in, uh, in, 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 of course, managing uh, these microcosms of society, how, how we, um, how we care for um, the, the, the community in that sense of uh, helping them, you know, and bullying can be such a, um, you know, incidents of bullying can be such a, a fantastic learning experience for everybody if they're handled in that, in that integral approach. So th this is one of the tasks that I set them to think through what needs to show up in each quadrant for, for you to feel comfortable that, that this, these outbreaks of bullying would be dealt with effectively, you know, and successfully. Well, on that, and maybe on the idea of learning environments, either, either of those subjects, what would be some of the most common or maybe best answers that you would hear in each of those quadrants for uh, teachers going into it and, and, and wondering how to deal with bullying, using the four quadrants to structure their thinking, or if you want to look back at the learning environment idea you talked about earlier, what, when you ask the uh, prospective teachers to write about a, a learning environment what are some of the what are some of the answers that they give you that resonate with you or some of the 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 feedback that you give to them in terms of creating a more inclusive or a more integrated learning environment yeah i i guess the, i guess the main thing i tried like i sort of talked about before was um you know, just helping us all recognize the importance of the interior, which is so kind of, you know, miserably overlooked uh, most of the time, isn't it? You know, we're, we're just sort of um, there to uh, perform on, on a cognitive level. So I think what one of the usual ways that I have is to <clears throat> bring in this guy called um, Carl Rogers, you know, the... Um, educational psychologist i mean really important figure wasn't he in the in the 70s and stuff and one of the people that was um you know showing these different sort of levels and layers of learning and development one of the quotes that i really like from him was that you know when i look at the world i feel pessimistic when i look at humans i feel optimistic and i get them to say so the first the, one of the first essays that they write is okay you can either imagine that you are Carl Rogers, what, you know, write from, give a further explain, fuller explanation of what you, what you mean here, of what you're saying here, or just write it from your own perspective. And then we'll, we'll look in, in class at what, what the difference is, you know, writing from, from as or writing, looking at. So this is, you know, one way to start to tease out this, this, this important difference between, uh, you know, looking at something and looking as, you know, looking from the interior. Um, and some of the, some of the responses are actually, yeah, really moving, you know, when they're, when they're invited to look, to look as and really think about, you know, yeah, the world is in a terrible mess, but what do I actually mean when I'm saying that I still feel optimistic when I look at people, you know, what had Carl Rogers seen? Um, and I, and I think this goes for me, goes to some sort of fundamental sort of value or belief that that all of us have perhaps undetected is what what at the, at, you know when it really gets down to the to the root of it do we believe that human beings are essentially um you know um 
good. <laughs> and this goodness is something can be, you know, to be treasured and to be, you know, uh, developed. And therefore, the whole approach to development is one of providing the, the conditions and the, the experiences to, to open this treasure, you know, and develop this treasure and get the full impact of this treasure. Or do we, do we believe really deep down based on whatever, you know, conditioning that we've had that um, human beings are essentially, you know, up to no good, you know, and therefore have to be restrained. And so a whole, a whole teaching approach, a whole educational approach, I think, you know, that's one polarity in which you could look at it, I guess, you know, are we there to open the flower or are we there to contain, you know, the wild beast <laughs> and, and, and get the best out of it in terms of controlling. So perhaps one polarity would be, you know, is it, is it about release or is it about restraint? And um, so I, you know, engaging them with these, with these kinds of questions uh, starts to, you know, encourage and invite people to start talking on a more personal level about what they've experienced at school in their own education. And actually, it informs them a hell of a lot, perhaps more than comes out on the surface, about the kind of teacher they want to be. So releasing all of that and, you know, just, just, playing with these very two very this polarity yeah it just starts to uh, bring a lot more connectivity in the classroom i would say i'm not sure if i if i've got really got to your question there brendan but did that uh, give you some uh, some substance no no i think that's good and um one thing that strikes me is that oh, whatever happens in teacher training as soon as you get in the classroom as with almost any job, <laughs> realize that none of it really, none of it really helps. But of course, it does. It's in there, right? So I guess the question is, how do you uh, attempt to have these teachers keep hold of that of, of of some of the ideas that you've brought to them when they actually enter the classroom, especially if it's a really traditional classroom where they'll be expected to use a textbook and have very teacher-centered lessons. Is there a way that you try and have them keep hold of that? Well, I, I guess um, that's for another course, you know, to, to probably take that a little bit deeper. I mean, I think, yeah, all we can do, isn't it, is, is, is sort of provide those resources, give them a taste of, of those resources, how they might, might be able to apply them. And I think by opening up this, this sort of upper left space to allow them to, to really engage there and realize, you know, what their own personal values is, what kind of teachers they want to become and, and light that up and encourage that. I think that's perhaps the best resource I, I, I could hope to, to give at the level that I'm able to influence their development. I mean, I find for me, endlessly fascinating uh, uh, types uh, looking at the Enneagram and um, of course that's one of the things that I, that I, that I share with them and uh, I, you know we don't get too personal about what different type are you and etc but my, my point is to say you know look th this is just one way of organizing the kinds of characters that are going to come at you in a classroom and this, give, this gives you some, some handle some, some opportunity to just question yourself okay just hold it lightly okay maybe he's coming at me with a sort of three archetypal energy that gives me a whole different 
different picture than if I'm thinking he's just being a difficult version of me, you know. So, you know, the, I, I think these do start to open their eyes and, of course, give them resources. But again, like with all of us, yeah, like you say, Brendan, you know, we, we can be given a million, you know, wonderful sort of gifts and insights. But uh, yeah, what is it when the, when the shit hits the fan? You know, we, we, we go back into uh, <laughs> default mode you know, and, and, and do what we've learned, you know, if it's not become an embodied habit. But I, I, I do, I do feel, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It, it, it sort of, it, it, it kind of warms your heart to re- to see these young people going out there wanting to make an impact, wanting to address the inequalities that they know are in the world. And, uh, deal with this, this kind of new age of, of, tetra you know whatever diversity that that they you know what once like what you know my my perception has been once we've started to engage on that level and really talking about what we personally feel and value i think this is great you know just to release them into that type of space where they can feel okay that's valued you know what i care about my vision my way of wanting to engage is really valued and all i can do is just encourage that and um hopefully something you know something will stick it's a crucial moment they say oh yeah i've got that resource i'll try that you know i guess that's all we can do huh? yeah and i'd be curious if you could walk us through maybe one of your lessons or give us some ideas of what we might typically see in one of your sessions i'm thinking back to my own teacher training i'll just share this because it's one of my favorite anecdotes but uh-huh. uh we had a three-hour class on teaching methods I think it was maybe the second or third week of teacher's college that this happened. And the teacher started slide on the board. She's doing a lecture. We're taking notes. And the first point she's talking about is how ineffective lectures are as a form of teaching. And, you know, two or three of us were like, oh, this is clearly some Andy Kaufman style joke. (laughs) She's clearly being ironic, lecturing us about how ineffective lectures are. And we should use all these other strategies and then we were kind of laughing and like, oh, okay, yeah, we get it. And then she got angry at us. Like, no, this is today's lesson. And it was like, really? You're going to sit here for the next two hours and 45 minutes lecturing us about all these other strategies rather than trying them uh-huh, <laughs> or uh-huh, teaching uh-huh. us about them by doing? So I'd be curious, like, what are some of your favorite lessons or favorite approaches to break up that more traditional kind of you at the front? What, what are some of the activities or discussion formats or activity uh-huh. structures that you do with your, your group? Well, I, I suppose, you know, everything kind of rolls, rolls into, you know, the lesson, you know, I, ideally, I mean, that's, so I, I guess, you know, I could think about, uh, well, when we arrive in the middle of the course, we're focusing in on in on a James Joyce short story, which um, they've now they've got the the four quadrant way of looking. They've got the types, and so we can use this 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 beautiful story called uh, Evelyn, one of the um, stories from uh, his collection in Dubliners. And then I would break them up into um, I give them a whole collection of. Um, um, adjectives for example and get them into groups to talk about uh, which adjectives do you feel would apply 
to Evelyn as you understand her as a character, which ones would you definitely not? What's the what's showing up in the upper in the lower right in terms of because it's ju it's just about a young girl who who's kind of on the brink of making a massive move in her life from her um, her uh, home life in Dublin and and going off with this sailor to Buenos Aires, you know, and she's just a 19 year old girl, you know, so so much resonance in that little three or four part story, I think, to pick out. So, you know, lower rights, of course, they bring out, you know, the Catholic Church, the role of women um, and one group I'll make responsible for really showing up in the upper in the lower right. Another group really has to try and represent the story. What do they see? You know, blah, blah, blah. So. We, 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 we're contextualizing the whole time, the story, finding all these different layers. And then, you know, they, they, I give them a whole sex, a series of questions, some explicitly to talk about, you know, how do you uh, type, would you say Evelyn is more than any others and what evidence do you have for that, things like that, you know? Um, and others, what have you learned from, uh, you know, what, what shows up from you from the upper? So, so questions which really looking from the different uh, quadrants in particular or types specifically. And I, get, and I guess, yes, you know, it, it's, it's that, that lesson particular, you know, we listen to, they've all read the story. We've listened to the story together. We list, then we listen to the story together in the lesson. There's a beautiful reading from a Dublin actor uh, which is which is really moving, you know. So, uh, and then, and then, yeah, just to just to develop a conversation. I mean, it it, it it's great. I mean, this is the thing with Zoom, you know, classroom Zoom. You know, getting these little breakout rooms is so fantastic. I mean, it's just just, just an excellent facility. I think uh, rather than trying to climb around groups of chairs and desks in a physical classroom, it's a great way to break them up into groups, and you can go in and listen and. Put put stuff in, you know. Put put something in the pot for them to uh, for them to talk about, and then the, you know, leading on from that lesson, there will be, um, you know, they'll have a couple of weeks to to come up with their essay, and that will then produce the next uh, uh, opportunity to 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 discuss, um, you know, the, the impact that the lenses and the types have made on their assessment of, of this story. So, and you know, it's also ticking the box that they're actually feeling, yes, I'm in an English literature lesson, you know? So, uh, you know, so, so many, you know, easy and creative ways, I think, to apply this stuff. Once, 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 once you've, you know, realized it, it, it's, it's beauty yourself. I, I think the idea of having a framework for thinking a lot of, well, myself and Rob have done in our teaching when we work together and um, is try to give students a framework, whether it's thinking about English using something like the six traits, we you know breaking writing into uh, organization and grammar and ideas, or whether it's in reading, we look at the keys to comprehension, like questioning strategies and inferences. And what this kind of uh, the quadrants idea and the, the different um, types of school, the traditional mainstream progressive and so on. What I guess we're trying to do is to build a framework for us to talk about it and, and to be able to, to fairly quickly get to a conversation of how we can compare and, um, and work out what works and what doesn't in each kind of model. So I, I wanna know how much you think 
that idea that there are traditional mainstream progressive schools in existence, how well does that hold up in the real world? Yeah, is there anything that doesn't quite make sense with it? Well, it, for me, it makes absolute sense. And I, I, I see it so, so clearly, you know, I think how you've, um, uh, how you've defined those, uh, those different um, approaches and, and the sheen idea is, is really brilliant as well, you know, to, to give it that, that sort of little bit of complexity, of course. But, but yeah, and, and once the students start to engage with it, they, they see it as well. You know, they can very quickly say, oh, yeah, I definitely went to a, you know, maybe it had some elements of that. You know, they, they can become quite sophisticated in their way of, of defining what, what they went through and what they would take out of it. You know, that's the important thing, isn't it? Babies and bathwaters uh, stuff. So, yeah, so, so I, I guess, yeah, for me, it does make absolute sense. And, um, you know, once I get uh, students to listen to episode 50 and uh, we look at the chart, you know, uh, and stuff like that, and they can really start to see um, their own uh, conditioning, I guess, you know, and expectations and what values have been instilled in them, I suppose. Um, then we can reflect on you know, what, what does that mean for them as learners, as well as um, prospective teachers? So again, addressing this question of how we, how we show up as a group, you know, how we evolve this we space, how people take responsibility for that. So, so yeah, it's, um, for me, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. And it seems to be borne out by their experience as well. You know, it's very, very helpful and uh, clear. So anyone who knows integral spiral dynamics, the stage models, they have often given us the feedback similar to what you said, like, oh, yeah, I can, I can definitely see this, you know, from definitely from the um, bird's eye view that, yes, I can see those distinctions between traditional mainstream and progressive. And of course, there's always a few blurred lines here and there, but that makes sense. But of course, anyone who knows the stages model knows it doesn't stop with green or progressive. There's that post-progressive or teal or yellow integral next stage we've purposely not discussed it too much yet on the podcast but within if anyone's you know part of the integral community there's usually that jump to like okay yeah yeah screw those <laughs> ones like tell me what's the what's the integral version of this like and yeah. what i think i'm realizing through the conversations bren and i have had with many is like that's still getting articulated that one's not right right as fleshed out and not as easy to point out in the landscape. It's still kind of coming into its own, but I'd be curious to hear from your perspective. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the characteristics or what jumps out at you as something new that you see in mm -hmm. a more integral teal, whatever jargony word you want to use a more post progressive approach to education? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the big one, isn't it? You know, I mean, I think, um, um, you know, the main, the main one would be this sort of um, um, showing up of the interior, you know, that um, we're allowed to be subjective beings and uh, uh, intra-subjective beings. And what, what, does, what does that mean? How would that show up? And... Um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I think just looking at the, um, you know, curriculum design from a four quadrant point of view just automatically gives you so many 
kind of ideas of what you would want to instill. And I think just because you always have those interiors, you're always brought back to, okay, what, what's the kind of um, experiences that we want to design within a classroom curriculum that will help to um, bring about those states of mind that are conducive to learning perhaps, you know? So I, I, I think, you know, it's like it always been my, my kind of dilemma in my career really is always think, you know, I mean, so many kind of ideas and all, I could do this. So yeah, this would be really interesting to do. But until you really get down to, to root, what, what do you deeply care about? Um, what do you really feel um, is, is of most value in, um, in human development? You know, what are we most capable of? And I think, I think what, once you've, so I think that, that for me would be what an integral approach to education would be. It would have to start off with everybody really taking time to investigate what is of true, true value and true meaning to them, to them. Um, and let that be, let that sort of start to show up in practical ways, how to create experiences so that is, is constantly alive and uh, looked after. I know it sounds very vague, you know, there are very much more specific things, of course, we could all, we could all point to about what um, that might, uh, you know, examples of that, that might be. You know, I don't personally have the experience apart from the, the students that I teach, you know, in a, in a way that I'm seeing as a more sort of uh, integral space, let's say, where, where these kinds of inquiries and, and the interior can show up. You know, that's my experience, how that might look practically. I think, um, you know, there are teachers applying, um, for example, bringing their students into a sitting meditation at the beginning of class, um, this is teenage kids. I know this may not may know this teacher in um, in Australia um, who's been using this for many years, and the kids value it so much. You know, if you tried to take it away from them now, you know they would resist very strongly because it's brought so much, uh, um, yeah, calmness and and resource to them to deal with the pressures and the stress. So I, I, I think, you know, I would build it from, from these components, you know, finding out what, what it is we, you know, we deeply care about and what is our vision of the human project? Where, where, where is it, you know, where is it best to, to, to try to support it, to go, you know, to, to take it, I, I suppose, and how to facilitate that development within an educational system. You know, I think one of the things that's going to show up in integral much more, isn't it, is that, you know, you're not a little, you know, island, some microcosm of society in a sort of isolated way, but there's much more community engagement. And I think this, this whole kind of relational line between parents and teachers and parents in school, you know, that is something that Integral could bring so much to, to really value the different uh, home settings and the different backgrounds and ancestry and lineages of, parents and how to bring that more into an educational uh, learning environment you know i remember you know just just last semester i i listened on the radio to this um podcast um tea with an iman uh about this this young uh, iman in uh, in london and how he's he's trying to 
help uh, his friends, you know, his non-Muslim friends understand what is what is Islam, etc., like that. And you know, he has these really nice chats, and there's a, a beautiful, friendly, open way of uh, trying to engage people with something which is his, his deep conviction and belief. You know, about you know, very very human, humanitarian, I guess. So I, ju I just, you know, we shared that in the class. And so that was something which suddenly, you know, lights went on with the, um, the members of the class who, were, who, were, who, who, are, who have a, a, an Islamic or Muslim uh, Islamic faith. And just that ability to feel seen, you know, and, um, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't my um, explicit intention. It was just something that I found. Yeah, this is a great approach to somebody who's trying to um, uh, evolve the conversation, let's say, you know, expand the conversation about, uh, you know, this very tense moment in time that we are. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, you know, that was the feedback that I got, you know, even though some of those people didn't say very much at the time, you know, it, it all came out in the feedback afterwards. So I think things like that, you know, how we have to be integrated within the community, within the society, they have to know about, you know, how what, what local businesses are struggling with, what uh, local politicians are struggling with, you know, and really get them engaged at whatever different stages as they go through their educational uh, development, you know, that that would be appropriate to do. You know, sending kids off on project groups to make money selling, buying and selling T-shirts, for example, you know, things like that. I think all those... Um, all those treasures are there for uh, integral, the integral approach, you know, to, to uh, start to bring online. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'd like to know if we are moving forward, what are the babies in bathwater of what's going on in the world right now in, in your classroom and in education, what are we keeping and what are we getting rid of as we move forward? We need, we need structures, <laughs> you know, and um, as, as you guys, you know, point out so, so clearly, you know, the, 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 the structure, the discipline, the sense of identity and belonging that can come from a, from a traditional mix. Um, the, so, the sort of we're in this together that can come from a, from a, a, a mainstream mix, I think, isn't it? Um, so, what, one thing that I would dearly love to do is redesign classrooms. You know, I think that's one thing that has to be um, addressed pretty, pretty quickly to get, to get away from this post-box syndrome as one person standing up as the, you know, holder of knowledge. Um, and, how, you know, I mean, there are, there are schools, aren't there? You probably experienced it in kindergarten, don't we? You know, when you sit around in little pods, you know, and that's how I, it, when there's space in the classroom... I'd redesigned the classroom for kids, for people to sit in little pods when that was, um, you know, a, a, an option. Um, so that I think, I think that's one thing that would really need to be, to be looked at and all the sort of different technologies that we could bring to facilitate that. Um, you know, there's, there's no excuse really not, not to revolutionize that, that, that learning space, I would say, um, which could, you know, help to, Put the focus more on the fact that that we're all bringing something to the to the table in terms of what we can uh, um, find out about and and take perspectives on, and so everybody can feel 
valued for the perspective that they're bringing, I suppose. You know, that's, um, and to be encouraged, you know, that that is just the kind of natural everyday way in which we engage with learning is that, you know, it, it, we're encouraged and expected um, to, um, you know, whatever, not, not in, a, in, a, in a pressured way, but um, to enjoy, to enjoy the, the, the richness of what's in a classroom um, and really make time and space for that to be engaged with on, on, a, on, a, on, a, you know, on a meaningful and, and, and deep level. You know, you don't need to have uh, course book after course book of somebody who's designed that course book or that curriculum uh, sitting in a, in, a, in a kind of space which perhaps is not as alive as it needs to be and is not as uh, dynamic as it, as it needs to be. I think, you know, designing curriculum with, with students, you know, is, 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 you know, is an approach, of course, in progressive schools often. Um, how far that really goes in reality is another thing. But I think, you know, of course, you, you have to start, you know, with an integral program, an integral approach to education. You know, you, you do it, don't you, you know, developmentally over the stages so that by the time they come to really making decisions that they hold responsibility for, they've got a lot of experience in understanding exactly what that means, you know, and how to make their best shot at that, I would say. It's something that's kind of instilled gradually as part of their process of learning. So, yeah, that, that, that's what I could say right now about it, you know, what, what specific um, types of experience you would design, you know, to, to facilitate that kind of thing is, is, is something we can all, you know, have our own, uh, own uh, way of doing, I guess, isn't it? But I think those fundamental things, yeah, you know, uh, what I've just said, I think would be the starting place <laughs> for me. And there have been a few out there who've mm -hmm. done some of that starting work. Before we pressed record, we were discussing a few books. I wondered if you wanted to bring any other names or references that you direct people to, to check out. The, the, in the Igniting Brilliance one are from, from Willow D. Um, there is, uh, let me just remember her first name, Patricia, Patricia Gordon, yeah. She has a really good uh, chapter, The Personal in the Professional, and she sets out um, what I think is really wonderful to, to conjure with. I haven't yet used this in my class, but she gives um, um, eight different roles to teachers, you know, two for each quadrant, you know, so the inner and the outer. And in the upper left, for example, from an inner, inner upper left perspective, you're, you're a kind of gardener. And from the outer perspective, you're an alchemist. For example, you know, I think they, they're just they're just names that obviously they make more sense to you as you as you sort of tune in and really try to feel feel into what uh, what what those names suggest. So that would that that's something I'm definitely going to make more time for um, next uh, semester in the new in the course that's coming up. So eight key roles for integral teachers, it's called, um, that correspond to looking at and looking as you know, from, from each of the, each of the different perspectives. And, um, I think, you know, this, this sort of, for me, it, it, what leapt out at me, I mean, we're always saying, aren't we as teachers, you know, we're playing so many different roles. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, this is, you know, something you, you, you kind of bring out, you know, there's an emphasis on being more of a coach or there's emphasis on being more of a, 
of a, a supervisor or whatever. But, you know, the reality is, you know, we're, we're, depending on the situation, we want to be flexible and free to jump into different roles as necessary because that's what it takes to live in a, to be in a living dynamic system of young people you know um and i think what what uh, patricia gordon does in this this article is just sort of you know give that some structure and some texture and again you know like like all the integral tools isn't it, it it's sort of a template that you can put over um um the, the sort of uh, chaotic world of uh, that, that we're living in and just start to be able to tease out some 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 clarity and how these these things talk to one another how they're part of polarities different the different polarities that are there so i think that's something that i would um definitely uh draw people's attention to um the way that yes, as teachers, we are playing different roles, but but we can do it with a little bit more clarity and a little bit more consciousness <laughs> that this is what we're stepping into now. This requires this kind of role, and you know, once I've got that awareness, that consciousness of these different roles that I'm playing, of course, then the the sort of developmental thing kicks in. You know, ah, there are different stages to develop my my skill and my understanding. And so I've always got, I mean, I think one thing I always try and tell, say to teachers, you know, always go away with a question, you know, what's the next question? What's the, what's the main question that's come up from your experience today and how to hold that and see what, see what comes through, you know, see how you can, you know, how, how life responds. But the clarity of the question is really important, isn't it? In, in, in our kind of personal development, I guess, knowing at specifically what stage we're at, what stage is opening up and uh, to define that in a, in a kind of question can be really important. So here's something, it's kind of a different way of asking the same question I've already asked, but what does school look like in a hundred years? In a hundred years. <laughs> we'll still That's, be here, uh, of course. We'll all still. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it soon. Yeah. You could take it in so many different directions. I mean, it, it, it's sort of very much about, uh, what kind of, you know, uh, planet we'll be living on here? What are the what are the kind of um, life conditions like? Um, and you know, I, I I would think we we definitely will have moved away from this idea that this is just some kind of block of time in a person's life. You know, you have your childhood, you play, you don't give a damn about what day it is and then suddenly you put in a box and you have to formalize everything and uh and learn and, and blah 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 and then you move on you go back into the mess <laughs> um it, it's got to be much more fluent i would say you know the educational environment in 100 years time will be something that's not sort of designated in a sort of box-like fashion that this is when it starts this is when it ends you know you've got the option then to take it a little bit further but it's a kind of you know constant flow and engaging you know flow a developmental flow so that you know using integral uh, you know the the integral the emergence of integral as a as a as a level of consciousness hopefully you know in 100 years time we will have a sort of tipping point around that if not you know long before hopefully so there will be this you know this way of looking at and looking as the world from these different developmental stages. 
and seeing that, you know, life is this one flow, you know, and um, being very much more aware and conscious of what the different options are at every different stage of, of, of that developmental journey, I suppose. I wouldn't like to think that we're still having specific buildings and locations designated as schools, as learning environments. Let's say the shape of education would be, you know, it's just one um, aspect of any situation that we're in, you know, that we're receiving feedback from, we, we, we've got specific tasks that we can learn from, everything that's pushing our, our development and our, our consciousness, you know, that, that for me would be what uh, would make sense uh, in, a, in a, you know, in a, in a hundred or a few hundred years time. Do you know much of uh, Illich's work, even Illich? Only, only by name, I think. I think I did read something some time ago, but not something that stuck, no. The de-schooling society, which is a bit dated now, but it's from the 70s. It, I mean, it really talks about that. And of course, a lot of those books were written at the end of the 60s, early 70s that believed it was just around the corner. And yeah, 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 yeah. we're further away from that now in many ways. But things like the internet have brought it, more, uh, brought it closer. So a lot of what you're saying is kind of similar to what he was saying of basically we wouldn't have this formalized education anymore. There wouldn't be places necessarily called schools. It would be, it would be fully integrated into the society and, and much more fluid. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's dependent on a lot of other things changing as well, isn't it? You know, I think the sixties were such a, you know, liberating time in many ways, you know, the, you know, everybody was getting psychoanalyzed and there are all these different approaches to thinking about the self and, and, and whatever, but then, you know, they gave the job of organizing society to, to the capitalists, as we know, you know, it was all handed over to the bankers, you know, you, you kind of get on with it and let the market determine. And of course we need to be able to, you know, wrench, wrench ourselves away from that, uh, that, that sort of emphasis that, uh, you know, one side of the polarity, which is uh, weighing us down. And so I think, I think this, this idea of, um, you know, having a vision, keep having the vision for what an integral world might look for, I think is a really powerful contribution we can make, despite the fact that we see, um, you know, this, this immovable might of, of capital in the world and, and all the horrors and, um, you know, problems that, that, that that's bringing with it um, to, to, you know, getting this balance again to a much more hum humanistic approach which i think is where the 60s and the 70s full of their you know energy and uh, and and, uh, and wisdom was coming from and then it kind of got as these things do it got squashed so i think yeah it's 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 has, having to move in very subtle ways isn't it almost beneath the radar and then suddenly pop you know out of the crack in the pavement in the concrete pavement something emerges you know ah there's life so i i, I guess it'll probably emerge like that the force of that, you know, I think they've got there's some mushrooms, isn't it, that have got the ability, the force to crack concrete or tarmac. You know, they, they, they bring their resources to such a focal point to emerge that concrete won't stop it. And that, that's, that's inspiring, huh? Is there anything still on your heart that feels left unsaid to help make this conversation feel complete? 
the only thing would be, you know, I, I think we didn't have that much time to for me to hear from you guys, you know, about your visions of, um, you know, what's emerging because you know you're much more in the in the sort of cooking pot, I think, uh, th than I am on a day to day basis. So I think you must have so many, uh, you know, if you've got time to to decompress and, uh, and download what's what's going on, you know, uh, I think that would be a great conversation to have as well, just to hear from 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 you guys um, what's uh, what what's what's coming to mind and how do you see things playing out? Um, you know, what kind of mushrooms are you going to be uh, um, facilitating the growth of? You know. <laughs> Or maybe you can interview us next time. Yeah, so it would be wonderful. Yeah, a month or so, you, we flip, we flip the uh, classroom, and uh, you can interview us. Well, th think about it. I think I think that would be great. I think, uh, you know, yeah, for me, fantastic. I'd love to know what you guys uh, think and what what you're seeing, and uh, I'm sure <laughs> so many people who listen to your podcast would would benefit hugely from hearing that as well. Yeah. Cool. Let's set that up then. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot then. Thanks very much, Malcolm. It's a pleasure to get to know you and um, thanks for the conversation. Welcome. Yeah. I always love to talk about education. Yeah. So thanks for stimulating that and inviting me. Yeah. It's been great. So that was our chat with Malcolm Giles. Hope you enjoyed it. We ran through a whole host of reinventing education ideas that we've touched on before and some new ones and um, I think we threw out the invitation at the end there for Malcolm to interview us and flip the classroom flip the switch flip the tables uh, soon so let's see how that goes we really appreciate Malcolm reaching out to us and consider this an invitation perhaps for you to do the same you can find us at reinventing education podcast.podbean.com. You can email us at reinventingeducationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we used to end our episodes with a little blurb saying, hey, find us on Facebook. We've got a group there. Find us on Twitter. It really seems like it's been difficult to generate like a true sense of community through a lot of social media. And what's been happening kind of spontaneously over maybe the last year or so is Bit by bit, people are coming out of the woodwork and connecting with us. And this just seems to be far more fruitful than trying to conjure up something digitally. So please, if you're interested in the ideas we're sharing, or you know somebody who's doing something quite progressive or post-progressive within the educational world, put them in touch with us. Let's have a chat. And uh, if it seems worthwhile that you'd like to be a guest on the show, by all means, we're Really appreciate that this podcast is turning into one of the meeting points for people doing really interesting things in education worldwide and connecting folks who are kind of on the same page, but don't really know about each other or know of the great work that others are doing. So consider this an invitation, get in touch with us. Uh, let's develop some cool, meaningful, possibly fruitful relationships. Thanks, Brennan. Thanks, Rob.